Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad if it was translated into sign language, the interpreter would only need to use one finger. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, actually home. But uh, tonight, as this show goes out, well, I will be packing up and leaving again. Uh, But don't worry, we will have a brand new show for you next week. Because remember, brand new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show go out every Tuesday at 8 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to share them with your friends, share them in your Facebook group, share them wherever. On tonight's show, Ian Pipe Parts going to talk about ghosting, uh, how to possibly minimize the ghost in your pipe, and uh, you know how to keep uh, tobacco from ghosting it any worse. And then my guest is Blake Kaiser, and uh, Blake has started up a uh, website and restoration business and retail, so we'll get to talk to him. Then we'll have music, mailbag, and a rant that I'm, um, well, I'm going to rant about a rant that I did. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) A rant on a rant. And if you're slightly sensitive, well, don't listen to it. I've I'll just warn you, if you're slightly sensitive, don't listen to it. Won't have any profanity. It just may be a little sensitive to some people, but uh, don't listen to it. There, plenty of warning for you, right? Okay, um, so as I mentioned, I am leaving again. We, uh, I got a travel agent rate offer on a Disney cruise out of uh, England that will go to uh, Copenhagen and... Then uh, three stops in Norway. So we are back off to Europe and uh, looking forward to it. I will say that from a pipe smoking standpoint, I don't expect to be overwhelmed with the Disney cruise ship. I'm sure they'll have a somewhat comfortable outdoor smoking area. But as far as uh, like the lounge that I was in on that uh, princess cruise, no, not going to see any of that. Not going to have a big, wide open, uh, uh, an enclosed area. None of that. So uh, I'll let you know how it goes when I get back. I'll give you my honest review. And remember, if you're planning on traveling anywhere, reach out to me first. Brian.Levine at MEI-Travel.com or Brian at PipesMagazine.com. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and by request... Uh, I got this subject from Kenji. He writes, hi, Brian. In Pipe Parts, could you discuss how to minimize ghosting from certain tobaccos? For example, I like luxury twist flake, but don't necessarily want to taste it if I smoke something else. Uh, Lakeland blends probably also do the same. Thank you. So, brings up an interesting point, because 
even if you stay like luxury twist flake from Peter Stokeby is a really good uh, Virginia with some dark fired in it, and it it's got a definite flavor. And if you look at the Lakeland blends from Samuel Goweth, Goweth Hogarth, uh, their Virginias have that Lakeland essence to them, and that can leave a little bit of ghosting. Um, what if you take a very a very light Virginia Perique and you smoke that in the same pipe? Well, you don't want the Perique lingering when you go back to, say, your luxury twist flake. So, what do you do? Me, personally, I smoke everything out of each one of my pipes. Now, it's all Virginias and some variation of Virginia, a Virginia with a little bit of Oriental, a Virginia with Perique, a straight Virginia. Uh, I'll even smoke my uh, HH Old Dark Fired straight in any, of the, in any of my pipes. And even as of recently, I pulled out a pouch of Amphora Original and smoked that in my Virginia Perique Virginia pipes. Now, what I do do that I think helps <laughs> do do, uh, what I do do that I think helps keep the ghosting down is again my cleaning routine in between pipes. As soon as I can after the bowl is over, I get all the tobacco out. I use my pipe cleaner and Everclear. You can use any high octane unflavored alcohol. Uh, and, you know, I just dip the little quarter inch or half inch of the pipe cleaner into it, run it in there. But I also wipe out the bowl. And one of the things that the, uh, I use the, I use the moist, uh, you know, the moisture of the Everclear on the inside of the bowl. And I wipe around in there and I get all that ash off. But one of the things that I think that that also does is help grab all that, uh, you know, any of that essence that might be on top. Uh, further to that, I really don't let a very big cake build up in any of my pipes. I just keep the cake as thin as possible. Yeah, I want that dime size cake, but I don't want it to get too big. So I will from time to time grab my, if I, if I've got my little speed bump going on the top of the bowl, I'll grab my reamer, ream that down, and then I'll take some very fine grit sandpaper and just take off a layer of you know take off the top layer of the uh, uh of the cake and i'm pretty sure by doing that that my pipes are still smoking fairly neutral um you know uh, all right some of the pipes i've had for a while that have had a lot of virginia perique in them well they're in there constantly uh the only suggestion that i can give to you that may be a little bit further help is that if you've smoked something that you think is going to ghost uh, wipe out the bowl, get it as clean as possible, dry it down, and then put some unflavored, just natural wet coffee grinds in there and let them dry out and let them dry out in there and they will suck all that flavor out. I like the coffee grinds trick a whole lot better than I like the salt because salt's corrosive. Salt, I think has a taste. I don't know. Uh, but use the coffee grinds. I like coffee. I, you know, I drink coffee with my pipe uh, half of the day. So uh, try that, and that may help uh, keep the ghosting down. And again, wiping it out right away, uh, getting that, uh, getting all that ash out of there, getting all that tobacco out of there. 
uh, between that and then if you want to double up on the uh, coffee grinds, you know, and you can do the coffee grinds afterwards. You know, the, to, the pipe can be completely dry and hadn't been smoked in two days and you can still do the coffee grinds in there. But again, you got to put them in, you know, you make a pot of coffee in the morning, put them in that afternoon while those coffee grinds are still kind of wet and that will just help. Yeah, let it sit in there for three days or so. And as they dry out, they suck all that flavor out. Uh, if any of you have any other ideas, I'd love to hear them. I would not suggest trying to, uh, you know, hope. <laughs> I would not suggest that any of these uh, ideas that I've given would be successful with a Latakia bomb or even a, an aromatic. Uh, I just don't think that, again, yeah, there's not enough in there really. There, there's not there. If there's enough Latakia in there or aromatic, well, you're gonna ghost that pipe. Uh, you may want to do the. You definitely, for sure, want to do the coffee. And when you're cleaning the pipe, make sure and pay attention to the draft holes because you want to get whatever ghost might be in that draft hole. You want to get that out too because you really don't want that lingering in there and i think a lot of times when we're cleaning our pipes we forget to pay real good attention to the draft hole and the mortise and the uh in the air hole and the stem so just make sure and clean those out too because you know not only can the bowl ghost but you can get ghosting all the way up through the pipe and if you don't take care of them well it won't work all right in just a moment blake kaiser this is internet radio a Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us from the Lone Star State uh, is Blake Kaiser. And Blake, you are a uh, pipe restoration retailer, reseller, and a whole lot more that we've got to get into. So welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Blake. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm uh, excited to be here. Yeah, all right, so let, let's get to know you just a little bit. You didn't grow up in Texas, did you? Because you haven't said y'all once. Yeah, I know, right? No, uh, I grew up, I was born in Washington State, um, and then traveled around a little bit. I uh, spent some time in Southern California, um, and also about 20 years in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, and we're going to get into that, because all right. you are a musician and you actually like worked and lived as a musician. So you've probably got to be either really good or lucky. Uh, <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much retired from the musician life and that, uh, is a, a good thing. I, I really, uh, don't miss, I guess those days as much as I used to. So I've, uh, uh kind of transitioned on since then. So what do you play, and when did you start playing? Yeah, uh, I, I've always played guitar. I'm uh, basically a lead guy, lead lead guitar player. I started when I was nine, and uh, my parents got me a guitar 
for uh, my ninth birthday. They actually asked me what I wanted to play, and I said drums. And they said, you can't do that. <laughs> it's too loud, uh, being good parents, you know. So they said, what's your backup? And I said, well, guitar. And so, um, yeah, they, they got me an electric guitar, which is really weird. Uh, and most people, you know, start out on acoustic. And I think that really changed the whole trajectory of my uh uh, what became career in music and um uh, yeah good times <laughs> since nine so at nine years old who are your guitar influences uh, howdy doody uh mr rogers <laughs> right? no I'm just, yeah. yeah exactly uh you know back then it was probably my my mom had some pretty diverse tastes but i really liked um you know like bad finger and uh, some of the Beatles stuff, but she wasn't too into the mainstream stuff. So I, I was really getting into um, stuff like Cream. I guess you could consider that main, main, mainstream, like Eric Clapton. Jeff Beck was a big one. She gave me um, a bunch of his records. Um, there was one in particular, I think Blow by Blow was just a, yeah. a really instrumental album in me kind of developing a love for what um, – you know, lead guitar could look like even of just itself, no lyrics, no nothing. And just, um, I mean, that was, I still remember that. So your, your parents really tried to screw with your head as much as possible. Yeah. Basically at every turn, my mom was a musician too. Uh, she was a backup singer, uh, in Southern California for a lot of bands, um, probably back in the seventies, the late seventies. And so, she uh, she really developed a, a love for music within me at a super early age, and I, um, I just kind of took it and ran with that, I guess, you know? And, and then where did you run to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I grew up in the church. My parents were, um, you know, Christian, and, uh, you know, like every Christian kid grows up in church, you don't really, like, um, have a lot of... Uh, influences and opportunities i guess but uh you know you don't christian music i guess I, I i should say was not great at the time when i was super growing up early and then something happened in in sort of like the early 90s late 80s um that really changed and there was like all these really cool bands that were starting to come out in the christian industry and so um we had had just moved to nashville around 91 and um, that's when I started playing guitar. That's when all this music started really hitting. And so as I developed into playing, I, I started having more of these influences. I was like, Christian music could kind of be cool. Uh, so <laughs> uh, uh, basically, we had some friends in Nashville. You know, I mean, Christian music is actually pretty much centered in Nashville, Tennessee. It's not, you know, like uh, L.A. or any other area. Uh, so alongside country music in, in Nashville, they have a huge... Christian music hub there. And so uh, we had some friends that went to church with us that were in the Christian industry already. He owned a label. He had a past um, uh, uh, sort of uh, secular industry career. And um, he had uh, his son and me were best friends. We were going to church together. Um, and this is probably when I was about 11 or 12. So really early on um, in playing. And so uh, we just kind of jammed together and ended up basically starting a band, and they uh, that was like our first real deal. Uh, we got signed to that label, um, and at about 14, 15, we started uh, cutting albums and, and playing live shows and playing festivals and stuff like that. So that's where it kind of started. 
I'm glad to know that the Christian music industry is not as cruel to where the owner of the label would not sign his own son. Yeah, right. Well, I think maybe there's some obligation there at that point, but it was uh, we didn't think anything of it at the at the time, and it, it didn't blow up or anything like that. But certainly, I think people know who we were. Um, but it was it was nothing to uh, you know be super proud of. I think we were a super young punk band, and so um, pretty much the youngest Christian rock band that I guess ever existed. So not saying much, right? Yeah, well, you uh, that was about the same time as what Hanson was uh, popular with, yeah, in, in pop yeah, music. Was, so, oh yeah, yep. And there was I had long hair at the time, and boy, there was a lot of uh, parallels <laughs> being drawn to that, and that was super annoying. But you know, you know, when they tried to tote you as the uh, the Christian Nirvana or the Christian you know, this or that, you're just kind of like, no, we're not any of those things. We're never going to be that good. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a song that uh, smells like the Holy spirit. No, no. Nope. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, really you, good one. Weird Al should have done that. Well, yeah, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> so from there, your music kind of, your, your music path kind of changed. Yeah. Uh, basically I, I got out of that contract pretty early on um, and I started getting more into serious, what I'd, I'd consider a little bit more serious uh, lead music, which would be blues and jazz. And so um, I was really fortunate to have a lot of teachers during that time that really transitioned me into a love for that again um, in, in sort of taking that seriously. And so at that point I, uh, I formed a kind of a trio and um, I started touring in the blues industry. And then that sort of progressed into me just um, playing with a lot of blues artists, backing them up, being a backup guitar player. Um, and so I got to play a lot of really cool festivals with a lot of really uh, great influences of mine. And so super, super fortunate to have spent a lot of time in that industry and sort of um, just ran, you know, ran the ran the race there and um, kind of that that got me to the next stage of the music industry of you get burned out. You know, if you're not made for the road, if you're not cut out for that, um, you usually transition to studio side, which is of course what I did. And then, um, kind of that starts another chapter in the whole thing. You know, that's that whole life in Nashville runs together, you know? Now, for those that don't know the studio, the studio work is you, yeah, you kind of work Monday through Friday, and they call you when they need a guitar player, right? Yeah, I mean, you as a studio player, um, you know, you, you kind of get your foot in the door, um, and then you kind of progress from there. Nashville at the time was really um, based around um, uh, session players that were on, like, union. Um, and so if you weren't that, which I was never that, you just basically relied on guys calling you to, to do sessions. And so I wasn't a part of any of the big, um, you know, the big country sessions or even some of the Christian industry stuff. But I was uh, fortunate to have some credits on some things. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, uh, like I said, it runs together. So you, you just kind of are doing everything at the same time. And um, being in the studio and, and playing on sessions really developed a love for me to actually start my own studio um, after a, a period of doing that. And then, so I got into the recording side and, um, 
we uh, ran a studio in Franklin, Tennessee for um, at least a few years. And um, I had a partner with that. And it's just fun. All those things, man. It was just you met so many people and and got to do so many different things. And at, at that time, the industry was really healthy, too, in Nashville. And so it was just a wild ride, man. 20 years of that will just like <laughs> scramble your brain a little bit. And, and this is back in the day when a, when recording meant that you were putting down eight to 10 tracks for an entire album, not just one song. Well, you know, so when I got into it, Pro Tools was a thing. Everything was digital for the most part. Um, we would cut to tape sometimes, but like, man, most of our sessions for, for a song would have, upwards of you know 40 to 60 tracks and so when digital came in it changed everything you could do whatever you wanted to you know and then you were also but a record but a, a, an artist was putting out an album full of 10 12 songs and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, not just doing sure. one upload and and then coming back three months later and doing one out one song oh man so annoying right <laughs> it's like it's like they're incapable of making a whole album of good songs so they have to give you like one or two or three over like two years yeah i hate yeah. that uh, yeah it's the industry has changed so much when does pipe smoking come into your life uh probably around 2009 so it's been a good 10 years now um i was actually living um in arkansas of all places and um <laughs> you know it's so funny i don't even i can't even pinpoint like what made me do it or anything like that other than you know madman was a really big thing and so when <laughs> madman came out you start seeing pipes i love mid-century modern i love design interior design all those things and so um it really stuck out i guess and you know i my first pipe was um an ebay purchase and i i love vintage stuff so it wasn't like i wanted to just go out to a smoke shop and grab a you know a new pipe and so I, I didn't know anything about pipes or anything, but it just, you know, hopped on eBay, ended up with a, 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 a great white color duke. It was a, a pot billard. Um, and, you know, I, I, then I went down to the, the little corner store at the gas station that had tobacco and somehow ended up with, you know, like the, the gallon sized bag of like super value <laughs> black Cavendish or, you know, vanilla flavored whatever, you know, and, um, that was my first, uh, start with the uh, the love of pipes we're gonna take a break right here when we come back we'll ask blake if his tongue survived and we'll, and then we'll get we'll start talking about what he's doing now so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. 
we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Blake Kaiser of satxpipes.com and we'll talk about that in a minute but obviously you survived the uh, the first bad pipe experience um, yeah <laughs> how long down the road until you had that aha moment of I I like this and I figured this out yeah, and, you know, if I wouldn't have stuck with it, obviously I wouldn't have had that moment. But, you know, I, I did stick with it. And you, you just, if you have a love for it, you do stick with it. And I, that was one of those things that was really awesome. And I think it probably came a year later um, because there wasn't, in 2009, there was a ton of information on the Internet about how to smoke correctly or even clean a pipe or any of those things. YouTube had only been a thing for a couple of years and, you know, um, I just was so curious about the, the lifestyle, uh, especially tying it back to the, the mid-century era for America of like, I want to be a part of this. I want to carry this on, you know. And so a year later, you know, I'm, I'm still doing it and I'm getting into pipes a little bit more. And, and really that was, uh, I don't really have anything that sticks out, but it was just, I knew about a year later that I was like, okay, this is going to be part of my life for a really, really long time. And so that that was a, that was a good thing for me that I still remember. And you and you kind of went through all the discovery of different tobaccos, and then did you start going crazy buying pipes too? Yeah, I mean, so early on, it was like you. I I just thought people have one pipe. I, I just thought that was the thing. Like, and then for me, to <laughs> my get wife another, thinks the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's just I can't fathom it, but. Uh, then when I when I started thinking about getting a second pipe, I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy! Like two pipes, like people have two pipes," and so <laughs> you know that shows how much I know. But uh, basically, I would stick with drugstore blends, and I probably stayed on drugstore blends for like five years, and so I never knew anything different because you know me thinking nostalgia, me thinking all the mid-century stuff. I I didn't know that there was this just huge vast array of different flavors different types of tobacco all those things so i was very dumb um even in you know halfway through my whole smoking career five years of of, of doing it and so i i really was i was really tied to the two pipes that i had at that point both of them were grabos none of them were special in any way of you know being great pipes but man they just for me did it and those drugstore blends um at the time um you know, half and half and, and, uh, you know, just stuff like that. I just remember that for the longest time of being, uh, really simplistic and, and something that I could enjoy. And affordable and available. Oh, totally. Go down to Walgreens. You know, you can still do it at that point. Yeah. So now let's, let's fast forward to what you're doing now because, uh, you've opened up your own website and again, it's S A T X pipe.com uh i'll let you explain the name but what what was the what was the <laughs> idea and the reason for starting up the website yeah i mean my whole pipe collection had grown way way out of hand and so <laughs> you know everybody might get to the point where they think it's a little bit out of hand but for me having 100 pipes of your own was just it was too much and so i was really um in 2016 i'd spent a couple years um really researching restoration for myself and wanting to keep my pipes in, in a nice condition. Um, and so there had been, you know, way more resources out in that time period. Um, 
that allowed me to kind of just venture into that restoration thing. And I didn't really have any aspirations to do it for anyone else, but I kept getting pipes to restore for friends and stuff like that. And it was just turning out really good. And there was great information, like I said, on the internet. Steve, uh, Steve Laug's site, the Reborn Pipes site, yeah. was just a huge, I mean, that, that, I mean, that influenced so many people like me and myself. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it started there. And then in 2016, um, I, just like I said, there's too many pipes. And so I started selling <laughs> some of my restored collection and from that point it just sort of took took off um and i couldn't really stop finding uh pipes for whatever reason there was there's just a ton of pipes in that time that came up and available and so um as it started to grow i started making more overseas connections and that was really the uh, where i was sourcing a lot of my supply because i'm not too into the you know, the, just restoring your, you know, Grabos and the, you know, Medicos and stuff like that. It's just for the amount of time that it takes and everything like that. Um, you wouldn't see a lot of return. Yeah. And so I started to get more into the European pipes and, um, that was a, a big instrumental thing for the company sort of as a whole to start and has some capital to grow on. So you, so you found out that there's money to be made in them, their pipes, yeah right uh it's a lot of work but it, it, i really enjoyed it but at the same time you you could see a return um and that really was everything that i made went right back into the business so i bought more equipment i bought better equipment i invested in training i invested into um you know everything that i thought would make this better and um allow me to enjoy it a lot more so on your website you take consignments of of estate pipes, you do restoration services. If somebody just doesn't want you to sell their pipe, but just wants you to clean it up. And then you're, and then you also have some brands that you're importing. Yeah, we're focusing. Um, this has probably been about a year and a half in, in the working. We've, we started to focus a lot on artisan pipes and, um, this came out of sort of a natural progression in my own life too, of going, I'm selling most of all my collections of um, factory pipes and, and moving into the artisan pipe uh, realm a lot more. And so it was sort of that natural progression of going. I think people, um, as they enjoy this um, hobby and this lifestyle a lot more, they start to just naturally um, graduate into the artisan pipe world. And so we, you know, it was a thing for me. I think it's a lot, you know, a thing for a lot of other people. And so it, um, just kind of took off there and that's what we've been focusing on quite a bit. And I'm, I'm looking through your website at the time we're recording now and you've got some, uh, you've got some overseas makers that I've never heard of, but, uh, your photography is absolutely beautiful, which which really caught my attention first. (laughs) 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 Kind of, kind of like walking down the street and you see a store with a really pretty store window uh, you know, yeah, uh, there, there's one women's clothing store in one of our malls nearby that I just love the way they decorate their windows. But I, of course, I'm not buying any women's clothes. <laughs> uh, not, you know, those I get ordered, you know, and shipped on yeah, right. by Amazon <laughs> discreetly. Um, but you've got some some artisan pipes that are made overseas and and they're not all that pricey you know some of them are as low as like 249 um so they're really at the they start out at the top end of what is the factory price 
Yeah, and that's that was really important to me to start working with a lot of um, maybe underexposed artists, guys that don't have um, the name in America yet, to to help them kind of gravitate towards an, uh, a whole untapped market for them. And so um, these are guys that we have spent a lot of time vetting too. And so I'm not interested in just carrying cheap artisan pipes. I don't think anybody should be um, cutting corners or just trying to make money off of pipes that, you know, this is a lifestyle for all of us. And so, um, I, I really take pride in the, the artists that we work with providing, uh, really, really good pipes, high quality pipes that are artisan driven, completely handmade. Um, and then, you know, have a lot of their, their own individual, individual style. And so, yeah, some of them are cheaper. You know, the blasts can get 249, but then your your smooths will probably be in the realm of, you know, 349 and up. And that's that's where we we, we find a niche in in about the three to four hundred dollar range. Um, even myself, I find it hard sometimes to spend six seven hundred dollars for a pipe. <laughs> and so I, I'm not I'm not quite there yet in my maturity to go. Oh yeah, I, I see. You know, I, I need to buy this $700 pipe. So it's a lot easier for me to go, oh, yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer to go $350, $450 for a, a nice, smooth pipe because the materials have gone up in price. The labor is very intensive, and I, I appreciate what these guys do. Yeah, and at the same time for us here, in the for us as buyers in the U.S., it's nice to know that there's a retailer here in the U.S. that has found these artisans and these makers and we can deal with you instead of having to go all the way across the seas and deal on Etsy or eBay or whatever sources you might have for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we take a lot of that process, um, and, and kind of like, uh, do all the hard work because, uh, for all the pipes that you do see, there's probably an equal amount that I've sent back over the years. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, it's like we, we won't, compromise on quality and we want to stand behind the artists that we work with and so another thing that we're going to be focusing on this year is um, really highlighting telling the stories a lot of these guys and um, really allowing um, pipe buyers and and the industry as a whole to get to know these guys better um, and and see that they are they are really good quality guys um, that are that are making trying to make a living at this and, and doing really really good work that deserves to be seen and this is not your full-time your full-time gig now but is that the hope that someday it will be no man i'm i am totally content spending 30 hours a week doing this and i i I couldn't justify probably spending any more time and i always cap it at around that um i have a full-time job and it's uh i'm i I work for church so it's it's a ministry calling it's not really a (laughs) you know you just go in and then have aspirations to leave it 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 really is a a a calling and so i i'm happy to do that full time and i don't i don't ever see this getting to the point where it it grows to uh you know full-time status so you're you're not looking at carrying every pipe or selling to every customer you're looking at carrying a refined assortment and dealing with the right kind of customers oh absolutely and there's so many guys that do do exactly that so much better than I ever will. I mean, smoking pipes is what we all look up to. And it's a great influence. Even like when I was, you know, studying photography for pipes specifically, um, you know, they, they were 
they're the, the pinnacle. You can't get any higher. And so really appreciative to them, really appreciative to all the other guys that have poured into us um, over the years to just help us uh, start this and start it well. And so, yeah, I, I, I like what we're doing. I, I just want to tell more stories. I want to be part of um, the lifestyle of pipes and pipe smoking more than we are right now. And so that's the hope. That's the goal for, for this year and next year. And besides the website, uh, I understand you're going to be in uh, Columbia, Tennessee for the Mule Town show. <laughs> yeah, super excited about that. That's um, uh, It's going to be great. I haven't been back to Nashville in like 10 years, so <laughs> it's going to be quite different than what I remember it being. But yeah, so we'll be in uh, Columbia for that. And um, man, there's a great lineup there. So if you're anywhere near the area, it would be uh, a great opportunity to come see some awesome carvers, see some awesome vendors. And there's going to be a whole handful of musicians there because uh, that that's going to kind of transition me into my next question for you. Um, yeah. You're, so over the years of the Pipes Magazine radio show, uh, I've had a ton of guests that are also musicians and a ton of guests that are also uh, people of faith. And yeah. you're both of them. Uh, <laughs> any any idea why, or what do you th- what do you think the reason is that so many people that are musically inclined and faithfully inclined end up smoking a pipe? Yeah, you know, I see I see a lot more on the artisan side. So a lot of the carvers are are both of those things too. And so I think you you focus. It, it makes a lot of sense to me as a musician or somebody that appreciates even the way a guitar looks, right? Like, I want to make pipes, and I know I'd be pretty terrible at it, so I'm not going to, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to make pipes. And so these guys that are, um, you know, have the skill, that want to invest the time into it, that do it so well, um, I think it's a natural progression from art and music to art and pipes, right? Uh, the the uh, faith thing, I you know, that's a total curveball for me. Because, you know, we, we think back traditionally, like if you were raised in the church or a lot of times church is really stiff and it's like no drinking, no, you know, no smoking, none of these things. And so yeah. you would think that the church has done everything it could to deter people from doing that. But um, even when you look back in church history and you look at Jesus, too, I mean, you know, turning water to wine, you know, you've got, <laughs> yeah, that was, you've that got was quite that. a party. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you got like monks brewing beer at the, the church and, you know, all this stuff. So it's like it's it's sort of, I think, a natural transition. So if you, you can heal from what maybe the church has done wrong in the past and say, oh, we got to demonize these things. Maybe you get yourself in the position of going like, well, I really like this. You know, this is something that's super cool. And so that's I don't know. I'm not no expert. You know, that's my opinion. I look at it this way. I cannot imagine sitting and reading anything without my pipe stuck in my face at the same time. Yeah, it really is for me. I mean, you look at guys like C.S. Lewis, you look at Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, which is a, a preacher, uh, old school preacher. I mean, these guys did it to unwind. They did it to, to reflect, and it, it made them more co- contemplative, you know. So I think that it's a good thing in those ways. And we've got pipes named Church Warden, and we've got tobaccos <laughs> named, you know, Presbyterian. Presbyterian, and, yep, yep. You got it all over the place. Yeah, yeah and there, there was a, there was even a, a, a Hebraica line of uh, tobaccos from Cornell and Deal for a while, but <laughs> oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> blended by, blended by a rabbi, so it must have been kosher. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, and before you go, or before we uh, before we finish this up, you got to explain the satxpipe.com. Terrible name, terrible name. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, but it stands for uh, San Antonio Pipe Co. Uh, SATX, San Antonio, Texas. When we first moved here uh, about five years ago, everybody was calling San Antonio SATX, and they would call Austin ATX. And so I thought it was the weirdest thing. And then for some stupid reason, I ended up calling the company the same thing. So it just you get you get indoctrinated in culture down here. I guess it it was a, a no brainer to do it, and definitely didn't think <laughs> before I named it that. And so everybody calls it something different. Totally cool. I don't care. We answer to anything, but SATX, SATX pipe. It's all the same. I like it because SATX is all on the left hand on a keyboard. And I'm oh, yeah. and I'm left-handed, easy. so that's, that's, <laughs> well, made it easy for one person. That'd be you. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, it's easy for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, playing guitar was tough because I didn't want to get a left-handed guitar. Oh, uh, you just did you restring it? No, backwards? no. <laughs> so you just learned it as is. Huh? Yeah, I just learned to be bad in the right direction. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Blake, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions, of which there are no right answers, no wrong answers, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, yes. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, right now, uh, I just got back my favorite pipe, and it's a Gabrielle Turtle Grade Blowfish. I mean, this is a, a pipe I, I regretted selling from the day that I got it, and um, so now it's back in my possession. That's my favorite right now. <laughs> and he's uh, Italian, right? Yes, he's a great, yep. great carver. And a uh, very sweet and humble man, too. Yeah. Uh, almost too bizarrely nice. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, I love vapors. I mean, I'm a diehard vapor guy. So right now... Um, Peretti came out with a, uh, a vapor called St. James Mixture. I think it's an old blend that they rebrought um, into their their lineup, and I really like that. Um, and you know, there's like two or three other vapors that are super good right now. Um, the the Watch City, um, I, I think those the uh, uh, Simply Reds, which is that's a, just a, a regular VA, but like. Uh, they have a, I think it's called Rhythm and Blues that I had at a pipe club meeting. Man, it, it's great stuff. So it's always out of stock, but if you can get your hands on it, it's great stuff. <laughs> you just like it because of the name. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah we, sign me up if it's got music in it. I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Uh, so I love IPAs and I love scotch. So probably equal in both categories, but a good IPA is is hard to beat. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's no-brainer, music. And I would imagine there's music when you're in working on pipes and stuff. There's probably music going at the same time. Absolutely, 24-7. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? Not really. Uh, man, just... I. It's so funny thinking back on, I've, I've racked my brain so many times. Why did I get into this? Why did I start this? I had no friends that did this or anything. And so to think back on that and go like, what, what was this, you know? And just really that convergence of all the things that I love, the mid-century modern um, influence, the Mad Men, t you know, TV show is just, 
I mean, that was huge, right? Like yeah. even when it came out, I mean, it was like we hadn't seen anything like that. And so to have something so genuine, to have all those those uh, influences included in that, and then me sharing in that, and then all of the memories that have flown out of that since then, that you know, all the people I've met, all the um, you know, the guys that have invested their time into into me and training and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just it's great because it's all fluid. And now being able to partake in these shows and meeting some of these guys that I've looked up to forever um, for their artistic ability is just it's just the cherry on top. Well, see, when you got into this, you didn't have any friends that did it. When I got into it, I didn't have any friends. Uh, <laughs> Look and, at you now. And I still don't. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You got the, one. You got one at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me think. No. Uh, <laughs> the website is, again, it's satxpipe.com. Blake, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, have a good time in Columbia, and uh, hopefully I'll run into you somewhere on the road, too. My pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Take it easy. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. I, I enjoyed Blake. Really did. Uh, and uh, remember that uh, that Mule Town uh, pipe show thingy? Well, that's coming up uh, this weekend in Columbia, Tennessee. So <laughs> last-minute plans? Go ahead, grab them. Get out there. All right, for, uh, for music... So let's go back to my love affair with Disney. And this is somewhat prompted by uh, the one and only Bo York. Um, recently on uh, Country Squire Radio, they did one of their uh, uh, quick fire things. And it was Audrey Hepburn or Julie Andrews. Well, the Sherman brothers, Richard and Robert Sherman, uh, both at times smoked pipes and were prolific music writers for the Disney company. Also wrote one of my favorite songs for Mary Poppins, and it's A Spoonful of Sugar. And if you ever wonder if Julie Andrews is more talented than Audrey Hepburn, listen to this song. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun, and snap, the job's a game. Every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. 
robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine and twig though quite intent in his pursuit he has a merry tune to toot he knows a song will move the job Wonderful Julie Andrews uh, music and lyrics by Richard uh, Richard and Robert Sherman. You got mail. You got mail. You got mail. In the mailbag. And again, the email address is uh, Brian with an I at pipesmagazine.com or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And uh, going back to last week's uh, episode with Jeff. Ira, the writing rabbi, says, Hi, Brian. Terrific show. I could listen to you and Jeff speak about pipes for hours. I look forward to the next installment. Cheers, Ira. Yeah, I think Jeff would get tired of me after a while. But 
uh, anyway, we got more of Jeff coming up, and we've got some uh, we've got some short um, uh, Ask the Pipe Maker stuff too. We we pre-recorded a whole bunch of stuff, and then Dillagas says, "Hi Brian, my one expensive straight grain definitely smokes better than my other briars. Every time I bring it out, it is perfectly clean." I pack it extra carefully with my favorite tobacco, light it very carefully, sit down on my deck on a beautiful day, relax and puff very slowly, all while telling myself that the extra money I spent on it was worth it. My extra enjoyment is from the briar, right? Absolutely. It is from the briar, or it is from that uh, that 12-inch measurement that's between your ears. Either one, though. Um, I love the vision of the beautiful day, relaxing, puffing very slowly, and uh, just enjoying it. It's beautiful imagery. And you know what? If the pipe makes you happy, it was well worth the price. All right. Uh, my friend Nelson writes, uh, this, uh, this was written a couple weeks ago. Um, hi, Brian. Hope you're having fun in Amsterdam. Great show this morning. I like hearing what's happening with the industry and the regulations. Uh, maybe there's not always much to tell, but I'd like to hear more of that. And that's going back to uh, James Foster and I catching up. And then he goes on to write. Uh, he's got a couple questions in here. Uh, first question is, there must be some sort of board or group of industry leaders for the cigar industry that get together to deal with all the regs and political stuff. Is there a similar group for the pipe industry and well, as well? And if so, do you know who the group members are? If yes, then do you know how these groups work together or do they? Did we have reps from the pipe industry involved in changing the name of the IPCPR? Sounds like we did not or at least had no say. All right, let me address this. Um, there's a lot in here, so let me address this, and I'll try to do it as clearly as possible. Uh, there are two groups that are primarily focused on the cigar industry. It's the Cigar Association of America. or the, These groups are solely focused on cigars. The Cigar Association of America is made up of manufacturers. The Cigar Rights of America is made up of manufacturers, retailers, and consumers. They only focus on the cigar aspect. The trade association itself is made up of retail members, and of those retail members, the cigar rights, uh, the what's it called now, the Premium Cigar Association, those retail members now regularly report that as a membership as a whole, and this doesn't include, you know, this includes all the pipe and tobacco shops and all the cigar shops and all the tobacco outlets that are members, all right? All the mail order guys, all retail outlets that are members of the Premium Cigar Association, that about 92% of their sales come from cigar and cigar accessories, all right? 92% of their sales. Now, when you look at a store like Yvonne Reese, McCraney's, or the Country Squire, or even uh, Smoking Pipes, those guys are added in there into that 92%. All right? So they're, you know, they're, they're weighted in there. But again, only 8% of the Premium Cigar Association's total membership money comes from the sale of non-cigar and non-cigar accessories. So we are very small. 
Uh, is there a similar group for the pipe industry as well? And if so, do you know who the group members are? Yes, there is the Pipe Tobacco Council, which is a subdivision of the Cigar Association of America. And it is all the manufacturers of which uh, Cornell and Deal is a member, Sutliff is a member, STG Lane Limited is a member, and I believe Arango is a member as the importer for uh, Germaine. Uh, these are the guys that are doing, you know, they're, they're spending their money trying to fight specifically for pipe tobacco related, uh, related causes. Uh, and then he asks, did we have reps from the pipe industry involved in changing the name of the IPCPR? No, uh, the IPCPR's membership board is Again, nine, most of them are cigar-related people. 92% of all the revenue of the membership of the IPCPR comes from the sale of premium cigars and cigar accessories. Uh, so I hope I made that clear. Uh, I've always used the example, when you look at the tobacco industry as a whole, including any kind of tobacco product, uh, that is the elephant when you look at the premium tobacco products, which are premium cigars and pipe tobacco, uh, that is a mouse on the back of the elephant. And if you think of that mouse on the back of the elephant as the cigars, we are a little tiny flea on the back of that mouse. So that's to give you some scale of what we're talking about. The total tobacco industry globally, or even in the US, the total tobacco industry is about 96% by revenue, cigarettes and chewing tobacco, all right? The other 4% is uh, cheap cigars, premium cigars, and pipe tobacco, even the fake pipe tobacco, and rolling tobacco. That's it. We are small. So when they're coming after us, they're going after the elephant. They're not worried about the flea on the back of the mouse. Uh, then he says uh, there was somewhat of a tone of dislike or dissatisfaction about the cigar industry in your conversation today, which made me curious to know how the cigar folks really feel about the pipe folks. I know we're a much smaller group, but do they really care what happens to us? Do they benefit at all by including us in their fight or do we hurt them in any way uh, by being included? I don't know. All right. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how they feel about us. I think they look at us and go, oh, you're odd little fellows over there with that pipe in your mouth. Um, I think they think of us as friends. I don't think they think of us as enemies. Uh, I think what they feel is that a clear and concise message when you're dealing with a federal government and regulators and elected officials, a very clear and concise message is better than a distorted message. So their thing right now is protect the premium cigars, the hand rolled cigars, not the Swisher Sweets, not the machine maids, but the hand rolled premium cigars. So that's how they've narrowed it down. All right. Uh, then he said that I was concerned to hear that pipes could possibly be lumped in with vapes and what I believe would, uh, most likely include the fake pipe tobacco. Do you feel the pipe industry is doing enough? Could we do more? And if so, what would that look like aside from contacting our state reps, which doesn't feel all that useful to be honest? Yeah. Um, I think we're doing everything we can, but again, we are so small. Uh, when the federal regulators look at the vaping business and they look at the fake pipe tobacco business or what might be out there as fake pipe tobacco, that's 
big, big money, even compared to premium cigars and uh, and pipe tobacco combined. So are we doing enough? Just keep writing your elected officials. Just keep reminding them that you know that you enjoy smoking a pipe. You do it as a recreation, not as a uh, not as an addiction, and just keep on them. That's all they understand. Uh, and then he says, uh, possibly you don't have answers to all of this, but you probably have a better idea than a lot of us, uh, or at least can uh, provide your opinion. Well, there's my opinion, and I am the leading expert on my opinion. And uh, so, again, and then he's got a question in here for the Ask, uh, Ask the Pipe Maker segment, which we will hold on to uh, for a future, because I'm not a pipe maker. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, real quick, before we wrap this up, don't forget there is, uh, of course, the Mule Town Pipe Show is uh, coming up this weekend. I understand that Columbus was a success as usual. I saw some great pictures. Uh, haven't talked to anybody that actually went, but again, I saw some great pictures. I'm looking forward to the NASPC show next year. If you're not a member of NASPC, you need to get off your dime and send them some money and get their uh, uh, get their six times a year newsletter. It's great writing. Um, again, the Mule Town Show, uh, Greater Kansas City Pipe and Tobacco Show, which I have a conflict this year and won't be able to attend, but that's uh, September 20th, 21st, and 22nd. You will see me at the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers at Sutliff Tobacco Company October 5th. Come by. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the Texas Pipe Show in Fort Worth, Texas. Go to texaspipeshow.com. They've got a lot of good stuff going on there and some new things announced, so check that out. And then the end of the year, November 2nd and 3rd, Palace Station, Las Vegas, Nevada, the West Coast Pipe Show. All right, and again, warning, a, uh, if you're sensitive, this rant coming up may bother you, so just skip it. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. All right, here we go again. Um, this one won't be political, but if you remember back a couple weeks, I got political. And I got a few people that were upset at me about getting political. I'm sorry, I expressed my opinions, and that's where I'm going to leave that. But here is the funny part of all this to me. I went back and listened to the show, and I believe I warned people three times prior to the rant. Yeah, three times that I was going to get political, and if you don't want politics in this show, well, you know what? Just stop listening before the rant. That was going to be fine with me. But instead, I know of at least, at least two people, two listeners, that listened all the way and then got upset because I voiced my opinion and they didn't like it. Well, they got upset and left one-star reviews on iTunes 
and I don't know how many others got upset, but anyway, I warned them. I warned them I was going to get political. I've done pol I've done politics one other time in the past. I warned everybody that I was going to get political then. I still warned them this time, and these guys who are not listening to the show anymore, thankfully, uh, got upset and left one-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and good riddance to them because... You know, if I warn you three times that I'm going to get political and you still listen, um, probably not too swift. Well, there you go. I hope I didn't offend anybody by saying what I just said, but it's my opinion. I'm the leading expert on it, and every once in a while, my opinion may not jive with yours. And if you didn't like this rant and you felt that it was... Bad? Well, I warned you a couple of times. If you're sensitive, you shouldn't be listening. There you go. Comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you haven't had a chance, go to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. We would greatly appreciate that, especially since there's four one-star reviews out there out of like 300. But anyway, uh, go to iTunes and continue sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show with everybody. If you're going to Columbia, Tennessee for the Mule Town Show, hope you have fun. I uh, will be in uh, England. There you go. Uh, thanks to Blake for joining me. Most of all, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Distental Association. No, I'm a tobacconist. Get away from that door. I'll just go over the other side.